Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheekast, episode, and it's not my fault this time, friends, because we started this podcast, Allison Weber and I, a long time ago. Like like six weeks ago? <laughs> literally. <laughs> so this is episode 47. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, so, I'm on with a dear friend, Allison Weber. Hey, friends. And we literally did start this podcast a long time ago because we got cut off because the power went out in like 100,000 homes in Michigan um, because of windstorms. On March 8th was when it started. And I was, I only lost power for 28 hours and some people lost power for like six to seven days. So there's that. So we've just been catching up since then. And And we need to tell them that was women's day. That was women's day. Yeah. International women's day. It was international women's day. And we were so excited to be able to talk. (laughs) And then this is what happened. Um, So, Allison, tell listeners who you are in your own words. Sure. Well, hey, everybody. Um, It's such fun to be on Shadima's podcast today. Um, My name is Allison Weber, and I am a daughter of the world. I feel most at home when I am sitting in an airport terminal, international airport terminal. I love the different languages that I hear. I love the different dress. I love the beauty and diversity of of skin color. And that's where I feel that's where I feel most at home. I feel like when I'm doing an international trip, I always can exhale and breathe when I get to the international terminal. Um, I've been fortunate enough to live in both India and Thailand. And I'm passionate about travel. I'm passionate about education, and I'm passionate about empowering women. I love that. So, Allison and I I have a ton in common, and so we connected initially via yoga and a kind of global yoga community, and then um, that we kind of created, right? Yeah. (laughs) On our own, apart from some others, and... um, I've always loved, so for friends, her Instagram handle is she be brave. And I love that because there was this whimsy, but also this clarity of mind that kind of was conveyed through that handle. And I would Mm -hmm. always follow Allison's pictures on Instagram, not just like blindly following or, you know, kind of really present moment as she traipsed and gallivanted all across the globe. And I love that you do have this global spirit. Like I call myself sometimes more in written word than vocally, um, a global citizen. And it's like, that's kind of what we started talking about Wednesday, March 8th 
when the mm. power cut out was that we are, um, you were wearing a t-shirt. So tell people what t-shirt you were wearing. On. Yeah. So I, I was actually in Thailand, um, up in awake in the middle of the night back in February. And it was just, uh, after the travel ban had been announced mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was jet lagged and I actually was pretty sick while I was, while I was there. So I was up in the middle of the night on Instagram and I saw this shirt that said different is not dangerous. And it had all of the flags of the countries that the travel ban had been issued against. And then also the Mexico flag because of all the issues with the potential wall and all that. And I thought, I don't even care how much this shirt costs. I'm buying it right now. So I pulled out my credit card in the middle of the night and, and bought myself and bought myself that shirt. Um, I because it. I just, I think it's such a powerful statement, especially with, with the flags and that's the beauty and Shadima, I know you know this, but that's the beauty of travel and being and not just travel, but getting to know people from different parts of the world, people that are different from you. You realize, we have so much more in common than we, than what's different about us and different is not dangerous. And, um, it's, you know, sometimes hard to engage with people that are different than us. It's sometimes scary, but it's so it's worth it. It's worth it. It makes us more compassionate, more compassionate, more understanding people. Absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, I'm the daughter of immigrants, Nigerian immigrants and, I'm so glad that even though they, there were bumps in the road, even though my parents did experience underlying um, covert racism, institutional racism, um, and even some flat-out ignorance and hatred, I would say, more often than not it was ignorance, they came over to this country and have thrived here, you know, not to say that they yeah. wouldn't thrive in Nigeria, but there were definitely more opportunities here. And I'm glad that, and I've said this a lot of times on this podcast, especially with what's been going on globally, that I'm so glad that 20 years ago, plus they decided to do what they needed to do to get um, citizenship and I found out some of the story, the backstory of my parents' pathway to citizenship um, more recently because I've come back to Ann Arbor and have been able to spend much more time with them. And, you know, it's from my dad's perspective, um, and I had one of our mutual friends, uh, Salam, on this podcast mm. as well, and <clears throat> People think that erroneously, so Americans inherent, um, it just comes by birth. We come with privilege, independent of socioeconomic status, independent of race, independent of every other intersectionality. And I know that it really can't truly be independent of, but I'd like us, if we will, to focus just on American citizenship. So we, that comes with privilege. So I'll paint an example for you. I was in Nigeria 13 years ago, 14 years ago, and I was getting, um, because the U.S. and Nigeria allow dual citizenship, and so I wanted to get Nigerian citizenship in addition to 
uh, American citizenship. Now, I did not want to relinquish my American citizenship. I simply wanted to also, because I'm 100% Nigerian, if you want to really get technical, I'm probably more accurately um, described as Nigerian-American because I was born in the U.S. to Nigerian-born parents. And so identity, right? It's so super complicated. Yeah. Um, and so we all that were there said, let's get dual citizenship. And so because Nigeria is the way it is sometimes, and it's not better or worse than the U S it's just has its issues too, because anywhere there are human beings, there's going to be problems. Yeah. And so I mean, we literally waited for eight hours to get this damn passport. I mean, people wanted bribes, people wanted, you know, just it to the point where I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I have a really great passport. I don't need another one, to be honest. Ordeal. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, nope, I'm done. And the thing is, so finally at the end, we ended up getting it. But like, I was like, this is a gold standard. Like, you know, and I didn't even know in that moment because I wasn't as awake as I am now the privilege that existed in that statement, you yeah. know? And, um, you know, my dad was struggling because he did, he felt like it was almost a betrayal to Nigeria to get, to become a U.S. citizen. Mm, and yeah. many people feel like this. And so for anyone, I don't think anyone who's listening is a naysayer. I, I really don't think anyone that's listening to this podcast um, would tell my dad to go back to Africa or go back to Nigeria um, because those aren't the people listening to this podcast. Sure. But that was a struggle for him. Just like I did not want to, I wasn't willing to relinquish my identity as an American citizen. Um, just because I also wanted to acknowledge my identity as a Nigerian. Um, the same was true for my dad, but just in reverse. And I'm so glad that he did, you know, in a manner of speaking via, um, you know, the a legal pathway to citizenship to do that because Nigeria has a lot of Muslims and at mm. the whim of the current administration, cause I feel like they're just kind of running things on a whim. Um, Nigeria could be targeted, you know, and you just never know. Um, I often say to people, these are the policies in place now, but <laughs> The caveat is right. we don't know. We don't know what the future holds because anything can change at a moment's notice. Um, and definitely we have checks and balances, and I'm grateful for that. And at the same time, it seems like this current administration wants to roll back the clock on a lot yeah. of different issues. So, yeah. So where is your favorite place to go? Oh. Planet. I know that's a tough <laughs> one. So I won't, I won't say that. So I'll say top five. Yeah. Top five. Top five. Sure. Okay. I can do that. Well, I think, you know, I have had the privilege of living in Bangkok, Thailand for two years. And I, it's, I feel like it's one of those cities that people love or they hate. And I love it. I land there. I feel like I'm home. I went to language school for seven months. Our first seven months of living there, I went to language school part-time. And I think that actually that is something that's also helped make me more of a compassionate person as well. Being an adult language learner is so humbling. 
Yes. I sat in those classes for three hours a day, you know, five days a week and had to train my ear to hear these tones. Right. Sure. And so the teacher would say something and then I'd repeat it and she'd say, no, it's cow. And I'm like, that's what I said, <laughs> you know, but the word cow, you know, depending on the, you know, depending on the tone can have five different meanings. And so I remember one day during a break in the class, I just cried in the bathroom because my head hurt and I was trying so hard and I desperately wanted to communicate with these people. And, and honestly, I am so, I'm so thankful. Um, it was the, it's the hardest thing I've done. Honestly, my husband, um, who has a PhD said that he's more proud of learning Thai language than his PhD. If that tells you anything. So, um, so anyway, I love, I love Bangkok. I love the energy. I love the, it's just life in your face. Um, that, that city it's, it's a global city. There's people from all over the world. Um, I just, I feel so at home there. I feel so at home in the hustle and bustle of, of that city. Um, let's see. I also love Vietnam, love to travel Mm -hmm. in Vietnam. Um, just it's the first time I went there, I was a little bit nervous. This was back in 2007 Mm -hmm. when, um, you know, visas were getting, were a little bit easier to get. And I was just curious, like how would Vietnamese people feel about Americans being in, you know, kind of more and more Americans coming to their country, especially after what happened in the Vietnam war. And, um, they were just really warm and friendly and really excited that Americans were coming to their country. But at the Mm -hmm. same time I visited the, well, you know, we call it the Vietnam war Mm -hmm. over there. It's the American war museum. Mm -hmm. And just seeing the atrocity and the damage and, you know, and even to this day, birth defects from all the chemical warfare that was used and seeing veterans at the um, American War Museum um, with their, you know, several of them with their spouses and having these moments that anyway, um, I love, I love Vietnam. I love the food. The people are lovely. Um, The natural beauty. Um, Love that place. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the city of Prague. It's one of my favorite places to just wander the streets, just the cobblestone streets. It's, um, one of the, you know, it's maybe a little bit more central, you know, central Europe than Eastern Europe. And so, and it wasn't damaged um, during world war two. So there's such rich history and I love just, yeah, getting a coffee and wandering the cobblestone streets. I could get lost there for hours. Wait, what was the third place that you said? Oh, Prague in the Prague, Czech Republic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Love, love visiting there. Let, oh, Chadima. Let's <laughs> see here. I visited my favorite beach back in February mm-hmm. um, that I've ever been to, and it is Khao Lok in Thailand. It's okay. in southern Thailand. It was actually mm-hmm. ground zero for the tsunami wow. uh, back in 2004. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a, there's, that place has had a lot of loss, mm-hmm. um, in it. Um, but there's been a lot of, you know, re, you know, it's been re rebuilt quite a bit and I will segue into this. I'll give you my fifth in a bit, okay. but when I was in Kowlock, that is where we held our third soul sanctuary retreat. Oh, wow. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about yes, soul sanctuary. Yeah. So I thought that would be a good segue. Yes. Let's see. So, um, having spent a few years living overseas and then two of them in Bangkok, a lot of my community 
while living there uh, were women that were either, um, you know, nonprofit leaders, nonprofit staff. They were working for NGOs, uh, non-government organizations. Mm -hmm. They were maybe doing working with a mission organization. And I saw a lot of burnout. Mm -hmm. I mean, these women were burned out. And I think with the changing face of missions, there's not sort of that tradition, not as many people are going with the traditional mission organization, right? Sure. Like they're going more independent. There's more, you know, smaller, smaller ministries, smaller um, NGOs, smaller nonprofits. And so they don't necessarily, and I think this is actually a good thing in my opinion with missions. <laughs> I think there's a lot that needs to change. But um, with that, there's not necessarily this organizational support, Right. And so they're working so hard. And one of those things with missions is that stories sell, mm-hmm. numbers sell, and they have to raise, you know, they're raising their own support. They have to raise money for their organizations. And so there's this pressure to just work so hard. Right. And so I was just seeing a lot of burnout. I was, you know, part of conversations where people were like, I can't say this to my supporters. How do I tell, you know, how do I... I'm, I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am struggling yeah. is, does the, you know, does, the, does the gospel really transcend culture? Mm-hmm. You know, like all these things that, you know, churches have been existing here for hundreds of years. Like, what are we doing here? Right. You know, things that they can't say anywhere else. And, and so, um, you know, I would just, I would, and I, I had, you know, I had my own part of those conversations too. I, I had some deep, <laughs> deep times of struggle as well, but never felt like, oh, I can't really, I don't know if I can tell this to people that are supporting us financially. Mm-hmm. So I saw this real need for spaces where, you know, women can gather and be themselves and sure. just rest. Yeah. And I think with a lot of people in the their organizations, they have retreats for their shops. Mm-hmm. They bring in speakers. There's, you know, there's not like they can't just go and be. Right. And so they come back from these retreats more exhausted than when they left. Sure. I'm like, okay, we have a problem. We have a go- this is a big problem. Right. And so moved back to the States in 2014, um, went back for the first time. And I taught yoga while I was over there. Um, and so when I was going to go back in 2016 to visit Thailand, you know, for the first time, my friends were like, will you do a retreat for us? Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've never, I've taught yoga classes, but I've never done a retreat. But um, I thought, okay, you know, I've got, I've got friends who do retreats and, you know, I've got some resources and, sure. you know, I know, I know what I'd appreciate on a retreat. And so um, did this first sort of soul care retreat up in the north of Thailand with 10 women that are doing amazing, mm-hmm. amazing work. And it was so, it was so validating because so many women are like, I've never been to a retreat like this. I've never been able to say these things out loud. We talked about what it's like to be financially supported by other people. We talked about burnout. We talked about things that you just can't say. And just watching life come from these conversations, I thought, okay, this is what I was born to do, you know? And so my friend, Corrine, she's the salty shark on Instagram. I know you must follow her. She is fabulous. And we should do, we should do a podcast sometime with it, with the two of us. Cause yeah, we have a we, cool story yeah, about how no, we met. I would, I would love to. <laughs> um, yeah, she's most fabulous. Anyway. So we, she came to that retreat 
And we had a beautiful conversation at that retreat. And she said, hey, what would you think about doing another retreat for my community um, in a different part of Southeast Asia? I thought, oh, yeah, let's let's do this together. So she gathered her people. Uh, I did another retreat. This was in last October of Mm -hmm. 2016. And after that retreat, you know, it was a whole different group of women. Um, And after that retreat, we had we sat down together at a cafe And I was like, this is a thing. This is a thing. This isn't just like one-off retreats. And I don't want to do this with anybody but you. Like, and that's, that's a cool story we can, you know, we can kind of share later. But, um, so we, after October, we just started hitting the ground running and we've had hours and hours of FaceTime calls, um, developing what is now Soul Sanctuary. Um, so follow us on Instagram too at soul.sanctuary. We're have, we've got a website in the works, which is super exciting. And so it's essentially um retreats that provide these spaces, small, intentionally small, mm-hmm. um, with really a very loose schedule so that women can come and just receive. Um, rest, receive, and restore are our are our three R's. Mm-hmm. What we yeah. So anyway, we've got another one. Um, we did another one in Cowlock uh, in February, and that was our first beach one, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Beachside yoga, beachside meditation. It was just so beautiful to see these hardworking women not have anything expected of them. Sure. So anyway, we've got another one coming up. We're going to do another one in Cowlock uh, at the end of May. And we're just, yeah, we'll, yeah some, we've got some other places in the works too, so... Yeah, that's been, it's the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. I just put an Instagram post up because we have to, you know, we have to raise money for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people that are living on support can't necessarily afford a retreat. So we help, we raise funds to help subsidize. And it's like putting your baby out there to potentially fail in public, right. <laughs> you know? So it's the most beautiful thing. It's, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever done. I can't believe I've been given this work, but at the same time, it's the scariest thing I've ever done because it feels so vulnerable, (laughs) you know, putting your passion and your dream and all this energy and hours of conversation and, you know, sitting in Google docs and refining like word, like every going through every word and being really intentional about who we are, um, having Karina and I having really honest conversations about, you know, what each of us bring to the table, um, so anyway, and that's been a really beautiful, healthy friendship in, you know, as well as getting to do this together, but it's so needed. It's so, it's so needed. And every time we do a retreat, we walk away with like, this is, this is a need. And we want more and more people to realize that about, you know, we laud these people that are doing really great work, you know, especially, you know, sex trafficking is a very sexy um, you know, issue right now. And so like, Oh, these people rest, you know, rescuing girls and all these things. Yeah. But at the same time, they only get money when they report numbers. And so how do we reeducate people about what it's like to be on the ground, what it's like to, um, you know, have to raise funds, um, what it's like to live overseas and not have the resources that we necessarily have here, um, in the West. So, yeah. Absolutely. So how do you self care? What does that look like um, for you? Sure. And that's been, that has been a journey, I would say over the last, okay, maybe eight years. I, 
feel like it is, I am a, an ambivert. So I'm an ENFP slash J on the Myers-Briggs. Uh-huh. And from what I've read, we're the most introverted of the extroverts. So, yes. Yeah, so for me, it takes, um, it, it's, it's intentionally withdrawing mm-hmm. and taking time in my week where I don't, you know, I've got a night in, um, or a weekend day that I'm in and I read, I journal, I meditate. Meditation has been a huge part of my, my self-care journey. Um, and just being still learning to be still learning to not have expectations mm-hmm. of, um, even of what my meditation time is going to look like or what I'm going to get out of it. But it's been a huge part of my own grounding. And I especially see it in terms of, you know, when we're, we're in the thick of planning a retreat, we're in the thick of fundraising, my anxiety levels go high. Like Mm. the control freak in me comes out like, okay, like we got, we got, we got stuff to do. Like we got to get, we got to get on this. And, um, but the, the meditation really grounds me and reminds me, um, I can only do so much. I can, I can only do so much. And, that's been that's been a huge a huge part of my journey. Exercise in its various forms. Um, I need it. <laughs> I I it's um, I struggle with with depression, and that's been I. It's one of those things like I've got to value myself enough to take time mm-hmm. to exercise. Like it's it's it's, it's a self value thing. You know, it's not a I got to work off the pizza I ate for lunch. It's I've got a value. I'm, I am worth spending time and caring for my body. Totally. Like that's just a huge, a huge piece of it. Um, and then one thing I really want to grow in more in terms of self care is seeking out retreat for myself. Yeah. Um, I got to practice what I preach, right? right. <laughs> so, you know, and just being more intentional about, um, more regularly taking, you know, taking silent retreat and, um, but yeah, like a lot of, a lot of more, ancient practices have been really helpful for me. Then I feel like I really connect with, with the divine and those, um, like with Lexio Divina, um, yeah, meditation, all of those types of things are, are a real part of my, my self care. I love that. Yeah. One of my dear friends, Jennifer Simons, she was on Earlier this year, and she was talking about self-care and travel was, is part of her story as well. She travels a lot and has kind of manifested this travel and, you know, like I'd like to go there and it just kind of seems to work out, you know, and she was talking about how a lot of times people feel like self-care is for someone else, you know? Yeah. And And it doesn't have to be a lofty self-care. And so self-care does kind of fall into privilege. It's just like, you know, International Women's Day, some people are not able to strike. They're not able to work, right? They they have to work. Um, To be able to say I'm not coming in, that is their privilege, right? Yes, Um, yes. And same thing with travel. I mean, travel does require funds. There is no way to... I mean, unless you're willing to walk, um, (laughs) right? Right. Being realistic, like, I mean, I guess I could walk, you know, to another city. But if I want to go somewhere for real, I'm going to need to get in a car or at least get on a bus. 
and that requires a ticket or get on a plane, right? And that requires yeah. a ticket. And then once I get there, I need to be able to sustain eating, you know, drinking, meaning beverage, like, you know, water, <laughs> not booze. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, um, lodging, you know. So, but there are things that are, that don't cost anything and um, can also provide some of the peace and respite that we so desperately need. One of my friends posted on their uh, Facebook, when did busyness become like the trophy, right? And, yeah, yep. And it's funny, I was listening to, um, I was chatting with, well, I was overhearing a conversation my parents had with some people that had come to visit them when I happened to be here. And it was just like, um, a lot of people are turning in their big houses for smaller houses, right? They're downsizing. Mm. And Mm -hmm. um, it's actually become really interesting. Like, for example, myself, I made a decision not to buy any more clothes at the end of 2014. So December 2014, I said, I'm not buying any more clothes um, because I had enough, you know? And I didn't need to be making anyone else wealthy when I wasn't yet wealthy, in terms yeah. of my bank account. I'm very wealthy in my life, but in terms of my bank account, right. yep. no, I'm not doing that anymore, you know? and Good for you, so Tadima. Have, thank you. Um, I have I have the caveat is I, if I've gotten a gift card, I have used gift cards, um, but there was a period of time, so I didn't buy shoes for a year, and then I started to kind of replenish or update, you know, some shoes. Um and I, and I was buying accessories, but I was not, I have not bought clothes except for an occasional tank top where I've needed, like I've used a gift card to get it, but I haven't personally put in my own money for clothes in two years, over two years. Cause yeah, almost, I mean, moving into two and a half years because I don't need anything, you know? Yeah. And I would much rather use money to pay off debt for, to gather experiences than to gather things, right? Yes, um, yes. And we get caught up sometimes. And I was listening, I was reading some, because mental health is a, I don't want to say it's a cause, but it's it's something that's close to my heart in terms of eliminating stigma. And so I'm glad you brought it up about depression because a lot more people manage with, deal with, thrive with, struggle with depression and anxiety than I think anything else. And a lot of people self-medicate, you know, and so instead of sitting down quietly with meditation, and I'm not saying it's easy in the beginning, I'm not, I'm not saying that, friends. So if this is your play, um, you know, I hope that you find a professional and some closed mouth friends and massive support um, so that you are not alone because you're not alone. You don't right. Have to alone. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and that stillness is important. And so I was reading on medium.com the, uh, yesterday. They're like the first three articles that came my way are kind of how to reduce anxiety naturally. You know, being in nature is one of those things. And, um, and a couple of other articles related to mental health. And I was just like, I'm so glad people are talking about this 
because it can really be helpful to people. And I'm not suggesting that some people don't need to be on medication. Some people do, you know. Um, I do. And there's nothing wrong with it, right? <laughs> right? There is absolutely nothing wrong with it because we don't have the judgments we have on people that have hypertension, you know. Right. Um, and could be doing something about it so that they don't have to be on medication, but we target certain Certain illnesses are targeted over other illnesses. You yeah. Know? Yep. Um, and there's a lot of shame and silence in those when we can talk about it and celebrate that this is a part of somebody, you know, who they are. And it yeah. adds value to um, in its own unique way. Um, and I'm not minimizing it. So friends, hear my heart. You know that um, this is not a minimization at all. And it is a struggle for many. <clears throat> and I think the more we talk about it, you know, honestly and openly, the more that we can actually move forward together so that people get what they need um, that may be sitting in silence, you know. Yeah. So so tell me about um, kind of how you got to, like, did you go to college? Yeah, I went to, I did go to college um, at a small liberal arts school in Indiana. Okay. And yeah. Then, what kind of pulled you? Like, was your family? Sure. Oh, this is a crazy story. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> My parents, bless them, are farm kids from South Dakota. Okay. You know, who probably never traveled. You know, my dad had a little bit more, um, ability to travel when he was younger. But, you know, my mom didn't really travel more than, you know, probably four hours outside of, you know, her, her home radius growing sure. up. And so I grew up in Illinois, I grew up in a small town in Illinois. And, you know, I remember going to Florida when I was a freshman in high school and just thinking that was really exotic. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, I, it was just never sort of, part, it wasn't really part of my growing up. But at the same time, I loved when missionaries would come speak at our church growing up. And I remember, you know, watching their videos and remember slides. Yes. Remember? Yes. Okay. So I remember, you know, watching their slides and thinking, I think I would like to do that, but there's no way I'm good enough. There's no way I have, like, I will ever have a strong, like, these people have this crazy faith that is not accessible to me, you know? Sure. And so, I, you know, I remember thinking, like, I, I really, I'd really like to do that. But there, you know, that was out of the question. And so I think I really, because of that, avoided opportunities, sure. you know, in high school or in college, because that was just not for, that was for other people, you know, that were more gifted, that were more right. spiritual, that were more disciplined, you know, it wasn't for this like undiagnosed depressed girl, mm -hmm. you know, from small town Illinois. And so it wasn't until I, I had the opportunity to, I did study abroad briefly in college, but it, it, it was in England. And I remember thinking, I went to this, um, I remember I went to this international church while I was there and I remember thinking, oh, this, this was the first time in my life 
where I saw like diversity mm-hmm. in a church setting. You know, I didn't grow up with that. My college was not, you know, sure. by virtue of being in rural Indiana, you right. know, it's not a diverse place. And I remember thinking, I love this. Like, I want more of this. I want more of this. And so, but I didn't know how to get there. You know, like, again, it wasn't accessible to people like me. And so I lived out this self-fulfilling prophecy. And so after my husband and I had been married a couple years, I remember asking God to bring us on an adventure. And because I thought, you know what, I, there's, I'm really open to this, but there's no way, you know, my husband will be open to, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do our life. You know, we're going to do our Midwestern life. So it was very funny to me when maybe about a year later, he came to me and said, Hey, there are a couple positions open at an international school in India. And we had some friends that were working at this international school. What would you think of applying for these jobs in India? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, 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 yes. And it was so funny hearing his story because few weeks prior, he was talking to our mutual friend think, about, you know, this, these, this opportunity in India. And he goes, that sounds amazing, but Allison will never go for it. <laughs> oh my you know, and secret, like I'm hoping for this, you know, really just wanting some, I didn't, I didn't, I was wanting more, you know, I wanted to see the world and experience different people and different cultures thinking, you know, my husband will never go for it. So, so it was really cool how that, uh, all that all came together. So that was really, and gosh, I mean, Chidima, I had been to Mexico, sure. you know, resort towns in Mexico yeah. and England. And I landed on the plane, you know, we landed in India in the middle of the night. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I just had no frame of reference, yeah. <laughs> no frame of reference for India. And it changed me. It That's changed awesome. me. Um, you know, living there, working with staff from all over the world. I just, even though we were working at a school, like I was the one who got an education, you know, my husband was the one who got an education. And it was during that, that time there that, um, you know, we worked with, I mean, we worked with the most amazing people. Like there were these uh, Tibetans who worked at our school who, when China invaded Tibet, like they fled and came to India, you know, arrived with one shoe. I mean, these people were amazing. And, um, I just, you know, that just, it just created this need in me for more. Like I want to learn more about people and I want to learn more about these. Th- I didn't know, I didn't know about the issues in Tibet. You know, I didn't, I didn't know about these things. I didn't know about, um, you know, the issues of India and how it was colonized and what that looks like today. I mean, I just, I just learned so much. And it was during that time, during one of the school breaks that we went to Thailand for the first time. Um, so anyway, that's sort of my I love journey that. into this international, yeah, this sure. international life. Well, well yeah. and it, because I feel like, so one of my friends um, in LA, she just said I was going to be just open to what the divine said. So yeah. if I could do it, my calendar was free. I would say yes, you know, and yeah. it's amazing what can happen when we say yes. Now, definitely, because I am an advocate for living a life that's consistent with our values, right? 
Yeah. And I don't mean, so yes, moral values, but I mean something a little bit deeper than that. I don't mean moral values as in a way to beat people over the head or to. Right. Right. You know, religion. But the things that are important to us. Yeah. So to be authentic um, so that my insides match my outsides, you know, and my persona, it's like Lennon Doyle Mountain. Um, I was telling Allison on the pre-call, I could not sleep last night. And so I was like finishing up um, Glennon Doyle Mountain's book, Carry On Warrior, um, Thoughts on Life Unarmed. And it's just like, you know, having this authentic experience, this brutal experience, like the brutal Mm. and the beautiful, you know, and just kind of connecting with other like-minded souls. Allison and I are in this kind of group text. Um, and it's like a hodgepodge of people that I never thought that I would ever be close to. And we share some right. really intimate <laughs> things on this group text, you know, and some of the people, I think one of the people, two of the people out of the text message, I think there's about six of us I've not met in person yet. Mm. Um, but the rest I have, and it's just like, how can that be? It's because of the divine. It's because of what's happening around us where we have no other option at this point, but to be connected to one another. Yes. Um, Yes. Sanity, um, for safety, for solitude, for, um, strength. We just need to be connected to one another. And that's why I am you and you are me. There are no others, you know, and the more I look at that and I think about that and it really resonates with me. And I think about what does that really mean? And am I just saying the words or is my life reflective of this? The more I get to think more deeply, you know, and connect just one more time to the divine who allows me to connect with others, you know, I get to stay grounded in the truth of my own experience and still be open to having new experiences. I love what you said about, kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy and a lot of times we don't think we're worth it we don't know our worth and we don't understand that we were created in such a way that we bring certain attributes good and bad and indifferent to the table and so we have an opportunity in this life to hone and build and grow some of those things that are amazing about us And work on, I call them sometimes character building days, those things that. (laughs) I love that. You know, kind of. Yes. (laughs) Are problematic. And so, and I do believe people come into our lives, not only to help bolster us, but as human sandpaper. So the people that irritate the you know what out of me are the people that I really have a lot of gratitude towards in the end. And I owe them a debt of thanks because they've helped me, you know, whether they irritate me because they have something, if I spotted, I got it, you know, something about them is something that I'm kind of working on within me, or maybe something that I've already gone through and I'm, I want to shake them and be like, why can't you see this? But either way, it's so important for me to have people like that in my life. And I know that I'm that in other people's lives. Like I know. Oh, that knowledge is so hard, isn't it? (laughs) 
I know I have rubbed people the wrong way and I will continue to as long yeah. as I'm breathing and not on yeah. purpose, but just, right. there could just be something about me that it's like, oh my God, that Shadima, she gets on my nerves. She can never get the podcast episode correct or whatever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she types a lot about political things or social justice things. And I just can't, I just want to hear about oils and puppies yoga and watch puppies you know oh my goodness so So Corrine and I are trying to you know raise funds for this (laughs) for this retreat Mm -hmm. and she goes she her um water had been out over her house and so she posted a picture on Instagram of the toilet at the gym you know where she was and she goes my my toilet shot is getting more likes than my fundraiser (laughs) shot Oh my gosh. <laughs> or my that fundraiser, you know, my totally. fundraiser picture. <laughs> that so, is yeah. so funny. We're like, we got to start posting pictures of your your kitty or something. Totally. <laughs> so the meaningful speak- one. Right? Speaking of which, because I know we have to wrap up soon. Um, yeah. So, friends, Allison is um, three hours behind me. So, she had to do, this is her dedication to the cause. She... <laughs> we started talking 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it was 6 a.m. for her. Yes. So that's the yes. earliest anyone's been on this podcast to chat with me, which is hey! a record. So th- <laughs> thank you for that. So how can people contribute? What is y'all's yeah. website? Or, so um, we're, we're working on our website right now. It will be up. Um, hopefully we're, we're going for May, a May 1st launch, but right now, um, until then you can follow us on Instagram. Um, it's soul dot sanctuary. And then that, all that info, if people, you know, we're actually selling some fun shirts right now to raise some money to help, um, reduce retreat costs for these women. And, um, and just for updates and maybe our next retreats, we're really hoping to do one stateside. Um, in the very near future and um, potentially in the UK this fall, we're working on dates for the UK in the fall. All of that info um, until the website is up is on our Instagram. So we would love, love, love you to follow us over there. And um, yeah. Awesome. That's, that's so good. Yeah. Um, I know because we were going to talk about Seiko designs, but we'll have to bring that up another time. Oh yeah. Austin got me onto that. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that another time just because of so the good. global and the women empowerment. Um, Seiko designs is all about, um, helping these young women go to university in Uganda. And I believe just in Uganda, although some of the goods are made in Ethiopia, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of the, like the, le- like the leather the is leather sourced goods, for me. Yeah. But it's all ethically sourced, which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so, we have so much more to talk about. So Shadima. much okay. more to talk about. So this is part <laughs> one, friend. So that just got us. We got a buy-in for a part two with Allison. Yay. So okay. That is an so honor. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so everyone, follow them at, um, at soul.com sanctuary on Instagram. So you can get all the good information. I will include information in the show notes of how to connect with Allison as well. Um, when this goes live and I'm so glad that you agreed to come on. Oh, thank you for having me. What a gift. What a gift. Yeah. So we're going to read a couple of stories 
from Humans of New York, and then we will end in the usual manner. So it'll just be a few today. Um, so it appears to be a guy, and it says, After the kid came, we both became less attached to each other and more attached to the kid. We stopped talking to each other at night. We stopped being intimate. He's asked, Did you realize this was happening? We did. Then why didn't you stop it? Because I think we both wanted it to happen. So mm. that's that. Um, and then, oh, this is a good one. Um, all right, I'll save that one. Okay, I'll do these. I'll do this one and then another one because you'll get a kick out of this, Allison. It'll, the last one. All right. So it's three young boys. We're going to get inside this tire and roll down the hill. And then the photographer, the, you know, person <laughs> responds, no, you're not. Yes, we are. And then they said, no, you're not. But it's three boys. And one of the boys is actually inside the tire. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, my goodness. Kids are so... <laughs> I just marvel is what amazing is what I'm gonna say. Then it's a woman and she has some super cool glasses, and she says, "You stopped a live one today, honey. I'm an international cougar." <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Right? I'll have to yes. send you a picture of her because she's she looks like she's a hoot for sure. <laughs> So, all right. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So thanks so much, friends, for the love and support. Write a review if you are so inclined. Definitely subscribe to this podcast, the Type A Hippie Podcast, SheCast. And tell a friend as well if you like what you've been hearing. And I definitely would love to hear from you. Chidima at thetypeahippie.com if you have any show ideas. If you have any people you'd like me to have a conversation with, I would love to hear from you. And with that, thanks so much. Sending you lots of love and light. Namaste. Namaste.